having said that, let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. How do you pick a leader? What a great passage for us to talk about today, just before the election. Now, just so we're clear, how many people have already voted? Yeah, most of us. Uh, They're setting records all around the country, but there's still some who haven't. In fact, we were talking about this with family last night. You're probably wondering, with so many people early voting, why are we still being hammered with TV commercials and radio commercials and stuff in the mail? In fact, I I told Vicki, I said, I think if you get your mail-in ballot and you put it in, there should be like a don't bother me button you could push. (laughs) Right? Skip Skip all the commercials. I'm getting tired of the commercial. Just skip it all, because I already voted. But there's a reason they do that. I don't know if you know this, but there are 25% of voters, one in four, will not make the decision until they're in the voting booth. They will not make that decision until they're standing in there at the voting booth. And I wonder what's going to happen to all those people that don't have a voting booth anymore. They just have the ballot. But let's go uh, set the Wayback Machine to early Israel. Israel says to Samuel the prophet, we want a king, we want to be like other countries. Samuel takes it personally. And God says, don't take it personally, Samuel. They're not insulting you. They're insulting me. And the uh, Israelite people pick a king, King Saul. And if you go back in scripture and read why they picked King Saul... He was a head and shoulder taller than anybody else in the kingdom of Israel. They picked the taller fella. Now you're saying to yourself, well, we, Madison, are much smarter than that now. We would never pick somebody because they were... I got bad news for you. Since the advent of television, we have elected the taller candidate every time, except for one. Every time, we have elected the taller candidate. Now, some of you are dying to look in your phones right now and see who's taller, Joe Biden or Trump. And just so you don't interrupt the flow of the sermon, I will tell you one of them is six foot four and one of them is six foot one. There is a significant height difference. Linda just figured out who's taller. She's holding her head in her hands. Trump is six foot four and Biden is six foot one. Now, Maybe this is the second time, and I'm not telling you who to vote for. I would not do that from the pulpit. But I want you to think about this. Since the beginning of the kingdom of Israel, we have been choosing poor leaders. Why? Because we don't look for the right reasons. Now, Jesus, and I remember hearing this sermon as a kid, this passage as a kid, and the pastor railed against leaders and false leaders, and we need to not have any leaders. And I think to myself, if we didn't have any leaders, we wouldn't get anything done. Jesus is not saying, don't have leaders. He's saying, have leaders who are there for the right reasons and doing the right things. So I'm thinking about my call to ministry. I was called to ministry when I was 16. I avoided it until I was 24. I went to seminary, and I landed at the Balakinwood United Methodist Church. They used to call it the Cathedral on the Main Line. I want you to picture this. 
I had shoulder length curly hair. Vicky will remember this from camp. It was all the way down to here. Yes, in the late 70s and early 80s, men got their hair permed. I wanted to look like the lead singer from Styx. I had my earring. I wore plaid shirts and bib overalls. And the kids thought I was the coolest thing next to sliced bread. And I had kids out the wazoo at the church youth group. But Pastor Schultz, who was a seasoned pastor, probably similar in age to what I am now, ran this cathedral on the main line, and he made me the pastor I am today. And the first thing he did was take me to Fortress and bought me this robe. This is the robe that I've worn to preach in since 1984. Aren't you glad one size fits all? (laughs) And when I finished my PhD in 91, we went and we had the stripes put on, which is nice. And uh, my mother bought me my first stole. Now, I, I had to replace it over time. That satin will stain. And I still have it, but this is how he dressed me for church. And I got to tell you, I put it on, and I felt a little bit like this is where I need to be. This is where God has called me to be. Now, I didn't wear it to the grocery store, and I didn't wear it to buy gas or to Blockbuster and say, you must all call me reverend, I have on the robe. And that's what the Pharisees were doing in the time of Jesus. They were wearing their Pharisaical robes, and they were making sure that everybody saw that they were Pharisees. You must listen to me. I am a man of God. Can you imagine? And part of the tradition was that they wanted to have their, the word of God in their minds and in their hands. Be hearers. Well, if you listen, it goes right to your brain. And doers of the word. It hasn't changed in 2,000 years. But rather than putting it in their mind, they put it on their mind in a box that they wore on their head. It was called a phylactery. And some people wore little boxes, and some people wore big boxes. And the Pharisees wore big boxes because they wanted to be noticed because they were holy because they had on the right stuff. They had on the robe, they had on the phylactery, they wore it on their hand or their head in their hands. And Jesus says no. Now, for those of a certain age, this truly reminds me of Charlie the Tuna. Do you remember the commercials? Charlie would be sitting in the bottom of the ocean having tea with his little flipper fim up. Flip, flipper. Wow, say that ten times fast. With his flipper fin up. And he would say, Star kiss want tunas that have good taste. And then Star kiss would take him. And the voiceover would say, No, Charlie. Star kiss want tunas that taste good. It's the same idea. Jesus says, why are you chasing around the tall people wearing the robes and the big phylacteries when the real leaders are right next to them and you're ignoring them? Now you're thinking, why would you say tall, Madison? Well, they've done research on this. Did you know that for the same job, if there's a short person and a tall person, the tall person makes more money? For the same job, if one person is more good-looking than the other, the good-looking person will make more money than the not-so-good-looking person. 
And it also, I'm sorry to say, has to do with your girth. Skinnier people make more money than fat people. Well, I'm sorry. Fat people need more food. (laughs) Now, for those of you that are listening online, uh, Pastor Madison is not a thin person. He's shaped like an operatic tenor. Uh, Think a little bit taller than Pavarotti, but similar in size. So... We're making decisions for the wrong reasons even 2,000 years after Jesus preached this sermon. You're following the wrong leaders. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Have you ever heard the word Jehovah? Jehovah is not a real word. Well, it is now because we use it, but it's a made-up word. And let me tell you where it comes from. In the book of Exodus, God gives the Jewish people a commandment. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. And the rabbi said, well, how can we do that? How can we make sure that nobody takes the Lord's name in vain? So they built what we call a theological hedge. They surrounded the name of God by saying, nobody is going to say the name of God. Now in Hebrew... I am would be Yahweh. So they call him Yah, and they call him Way, but they never said Yahweh. And somebody said, you know what? That's still too close. So they built another hedge. They moved the people further away from the name of God, and they said, let's do this. Let's take the consonants for Yahweh and the vowels for Adonai. You've heard that in the Bible as well. Adonai is the word for Lord. So you've got the Yah, which is a Y, and in German or in Hebrew, that would be the J. Then you've got the uh from Adonai. Then the V, the W, the V for Yahweh. Then you've got the O from Adonai. And then you've got the H from Yahweh. And all of a sudden they created a word, Jehovah which is not in the Bible, not in the Hebrew Bible, not in the Greek Bible. Why? So that people would never take the word of God in vain. This is where Jesus is saying, you pile up great loads on top of the people and you won't even help them out with it. They had made rules for everything. This would be be the actual law of God and then they would... Uh, embellish the law of God so that it was undoable. It was impossible. And they knew it was impossible, and the Pharisees were saying, everybody needs to follow these rules, and then in private, they weren't. In psychology, um, Dr. Carl Rogers, uh, the, the father of humanistic psychology, called this congruence. Now, when I'm teaching at the college, And I'm going to pick on my girth again, but it's okay. I'm happy with who I am. Congruence says that the therapist's life has to match what they say in the counseling office. That if you are living a different life than you share with your clients, they're going to call you out on it. Then I look at my class and I say, class, I'm a fairly well-rounded individual. People come to me for individual therapy, and and all the students nod, like that makes sense. And I say, and I'm a happily married man. I've got well-adjusted children, and people come to me for family counseling. 
And they go, okay, that makes sense. And then, and I know what's coming and they don't. I look at them and I go, but nobody comes to me for diet counseling. <laughs> and then there's this awkward silence. Does he know why they don't come to him for diet counseling? Is this a joke? Is this not a joke? And I say, folks, you don't go to a large person to lose weight. You go to a skinny person to lose weight. And that's what Jesus is saying. If your life doesn't match the words that you're speaking, then you shouldn't be a leader and people shouldn't follow you. Now this is where it gets a little bit different, d difficult because human beings like to make divisions. We like to divide ourselves. There's something in us that makes us want to be uh, higher up on some scale than the other people around us. Think of it like a staircase. So, I am Dr. Madison. My mom is very proud of that. And when we were in the hospital, she was in the hospital and I was visiting her. And her doctor came in. She said, this is my son, Dr. Madison. And the doctor could have said, it's nice to meet you, doctor. And we could have done that scene from Spies Like Us. Doctor, 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 doctor. But we didn't. He did what all doctors do. He said, what's your specialty? I said, psychology, and you could see his countenance visibly change. Why? Because psychologists are lower on the scale than an MD. In fact, you got, you got your surgeons up here, your MD surgeons, then you got your MDs with their specialties, your endocrinologists, your nephrologists, all those. Then you've got, I'm sorry to say, your family practitioners who are MDs, but they look down on the DOs, Right? Then you've got, right? Then you've got your chiropractors. And below your chiropractors, you've got your psychologist. And below your psychologist, you've got your licensed professional counselors and your social workers. And we all know that this exists. And why are you judging me? Because my degree isn't exactly the same as yours. I earned it. And it's sad to see my mother's face go, like, but I'm so proud of my son, the doctor. Now, I don't care what field you're in. There's a pecking order, isn't there? We have lawyers in the congregation, and the first thing other lawyers ask, I'm sure, is, where did you go to law school? Because there's a pecking order. Right? Piano players, musicians, where did you go to school? Oh, I went to Juilliard or Eastman or Curtis or Westminster Choir College. And there's a pecking order. There's a pecking order for pastors. How big is your congregation? How big is your church? What's your missions budget? When they sit down, these are the questions we ask. And if you don't have an answer that puts you high enough on the scale, you don't get to be a big dog. And Jesus says, are you missing the point? In fact, he says, you are missing the point. There is no pecking order in the kingdom of God. In fact, he says... The low, the least among you will become the greatest. Now, how does that happen? Because Jesus takes them by the hand and moves them to the front of the line. You don't make yourself the greatest. There's nothing you can do. You can't wear the right clothes. You can't put the word of God on the front of your head. You can't go to the right school. You can't do any of those things to move to the front of the line. The only way you get to the front of the line is when Jesus takes your hand 
Now, here's part of the problem we have as human beings is we are not good at calling out forgeries, at fakes. We can see a pastor that perhaps has a very large church and a very large congregation and a good following. And then you listen to their sermons and you think, but there's no meat in here. There's, there's nothing to spiritually chew on. Well, that's one of the reasons their church is growing. Because they're not being challenged. They get to be entertained and go home and say, I did church. I'm good for another week. In fact, think about this. Those of us who are in church today get to look down in our minds on those who didn't go to church today. Those heathens. And there's no reason to skip church today because the Eagles and Dallas don't play until 8.20. There's no reason to rush home after church. We're covered. I, I worked at one church where the pastor said, the real Christians go to evening service. It ain't enough to go during the day. You've got to come back at night. There's no pecking order in the kingdom of heaven. So, the Metropolitan Museum of Art decided to put out seven, I believe it was seven, works of art. And right next to the seven works of art, they put forgeries. And they asked the people to vote on which was which. Out of 1,867 votes, seven people got them all right. We are not good at calling out forgeries. We are not sure which is the best, which is the real, which is the true. That's why we need the word of God. That's why we need the spirit of God to help us determine, to divine with the sword, the Bible, from right and wrong, from true and false. Reminds me of a a story. It is a joke of the meanest man in town. I might have told you this before. It's one of my favorites. The meanest man in town died, but he left in his will that he would give $10,000 to a pastor that said he was a saint during the funeral service. And his brother came to town with the will and the $10,000, and he went from church to church saying, "I I need you to do my brother's funeral, and I need you to say these words that he was a saint in the sermon. And finally, there was a little independent church on the outskirts of town, and they needed a new roof. Guess how much it cost? $10,000. So they said, we will do it. The pastor said, we will do his... Well, the church was packed. Because everybody wanted to hear the sermon where the meanest man in town was called a saint. And the, the pastor said all the appropriate things, and they read the 23rd Psalm, and... John 14, let not your heart be troubled, and then came the eulogy. And finally he said these words. And the man was a saint, especially when compared to his brother. We go back to comparing. We're comparing, 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 and God says we are all the same in his eyes. We need to learn as human beings not to look down but to be the hand of Jesus pulling people up. The greatest will become the servant, and the servant will become the greatest. Jesus is addressing what was very commonly referred to in his day and ours as hypocrisy. I don't know if you know this, but the Greek dramas didn't use makeup, they would use a mask. And a hypocrite was a person who came out 
with a happy mask and told jokes. Then they would go off stage, change to a sad mask, and come back and tell you sad things. You never saw their face, and they wore a mask. We're back to congruence. They didn't match. It didn't match who they were. In fact, hypocrite literally means one who holds a mask. And Jesus says, put the mask down. I know who you are. I know who you are, and I love who you are. And I want you to be part of my kingdom. I love you so much that I will die for you so that you can be part of my kingdom. It reminds me of a, a college town and they were having Parents Weekend. And if any of you have been away to college, Parents Weekend is usually a big deal. At uh, Westminster Choir College, y- you knew it was coming because all of the groundskeepers were out planting mums. And the, the lawn was mowed and it was edged perfectly because we had this nice big quadrangle in the middle of campus. And the quality of food the week before just went up and up and up and up. Oh, that's right. We went to college in the same town. Did you ever go over to Westminster's campus? Not on the campus. Oh, it's beautiful. Brick buildings. And, and then the parents would come and all the kids would be happy because we ate good food for the week and the campus would look good. So in this college town, a local tavern put this sign up. Bring your parents and we'll pretend we don't know you. (laughs) A pastor not to be outdone put this sign up. Bring your parents and we'll pretend we know you. Hear what Jesus is saying. Leaders are called. Leaders are placed by God. And if your leader is puffed up and a hypocrite, maybe you're recognizing the wrong leader. We need to find people who are called by God to lead. And that's not the only thing. We need to find people who are called by God to lead, and then we need to follow them. There's nothing more frustrating than being a leader and having a clear vision for where your congregation or your youth group or your whatever needs to go and you feel like you are dragging them with you. We need to listen to the call and then we need to listen to the leader. We need to let them lead. I also want you to hear this. There are people who sin more than others, and there are people who sin less than others. But as soon as you commit that one sin, you'll never reach perfection. Michael Jordan was playing basketball with his son, and he tells a story that his son was shooting free throws. And he made the first one. And he said, Dad, I'm a 100% free throw shooter. And he made the second one, and the third, and the fourth, and then he missed the fifth. Well, if you missed the fifth, now you're only in 80%. And he made seven, eight, nine, and ten, and then he was back up to 90, and it occurred to him and Michael at the same time that he could never get back to 100%. We are all sinners, and we all need to be humbled by that realization. We will never on our own get back to 100%. Hear this. We are worth the price that Jesus paid for us. We are exalted by his love. Jesus reaches down and pulls us to the front of the line. And there's nothing that we can do to get there on our own. 
Finally, the Great Commission says this, go, teach, and make disciples. And we've talked about this a couple times this summer. Jesus needs people who are willing to lead. He needs people who are willing to follow and do the work. Are you a honeybee or are you a hippo? Good for you, Kara. Are you a person who creates and builds or are you a person who concerns? Listen for the call. Follow your leaders and learn through the love of God that we are all the same in Christ. Amen.